there, literary fans, and welcome to episode 20 of Jeff Reads His Book. I am your host, Jeff, and today we are going to be reading chapter 20 of Bringing Balance, a book I wrote in a month. So if you want to get in touch with me, uh, you can go over to my webpage at jeffreadshisbook.com, and right there, there's some contact information and a way to buy this book directly from Amazon. So today is a pretty big and exciting episode. Uh, we do have some feedback from our perennial, perennial, yeah, whatever, our regular feedback submitter. Uh, that is my wife. Uh, she has some uh, older feedback. So we're on chapter 20 today, but uh, she actually sent in her chapter 18 and chapter 19 uh, feedback. Let's go back to those discussion questions, right? Um... Let me see. Here we go. Chapter 18. All right. First question. Uh, they were trying to escape some uh, guards, right? Uh, let's see here. Oh, God. These discussion questions aren't in order. I suck. I read them out of order from what I wrote them. So I have to read her answers to actually figure out the question. So the first question I was like, I asked, do you think the balancing stone is is important at all because nobody was guarding it. They just went into that stinky uh, terrarium kind of thing and found it just surrounded by mud. So what does uh, what does my lovely wife say? Perhaps the stone was guarded by some sort of magic that Stephen nonchalantly disappeared. Okay, now Laura, we have to remember Stephen is not magical. He's just some schlub as far as we know. She also points out, or maybe it was just the stink that was used to guard the stone. Well, I think that was kind of the premise of the book, but I don't know if I buy it. I think it's just not important. Uh, the second question, they were trying to escape across a hall. They ran across a hall to get outside, and there were doors in the wall in the window. Did those doors have panic bars? And Laura answers, oh, I wasn't even thinking about thinking the doors had panic bars, which is funny because we talked about fire code earlier. Yes, we did in uh, when they were in the Temple of Colors. We were talking about all their uh, fire code standards. Remember it said stairs and no admittance on the doors? <laughs> so, so yes, she <laughs> hadn't even thought of panic bars, and I get it, yes. She says, I pictured them fumbling with old doorknobs this whole time. Let's see, the third discussion question was, where the hell is Frederick, right? He was not, he has not appeared in these later chapters at all. And her response is, Frederick went to the market in this chapter, getting the fixings for dinner, or maybe they ran out of mead. Yes, so I hope, uh, I hope Laura's not confused with their hosts, that Frederick's the bad guy, but uh, either way, that would explain why he's not there. It's shopping day. He probably had the day off, you know. I think he's probably been doing a lot of overtime, used a little paid time off, and decided not to come in for these fights. Yeah, I think that makes sense. It's valid. So let's see. What was the second set of discussion questions? So we're going to chapter 19 now. Let me see. What did the lovely Laura say about chapter 19? Okay, first question. How do you spell facade? So I asked if I'm correct, and she says I am correct, F-A-C-A-D-E, but doesn't the C have a funny dangly thing hanging off it? 
I'll have you know I wrote this answer before you mentioned the funny-looking C. Oh, okay. So she typed it in for... All right. Fair enough. All right. Question two. What was the second question of our discussion questions? Uh, are you annoyed Stephen knew he was a prince, huh? So she responds, maybe it was all part of a plot to make Aaron realize he's just a regular schlub like the rest of us. He doesn't want her liking him just because he's royalty. Oh, I never thought of it that way. I kind of just thought he was a jerk. I guess that makes some sense. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Uh, and third question, your favorite cookie. So let's see, what is Lara's favorite cookie? I should know this since I'm married to her, right? My favorite cookie? Ooh, the chocolate chip ones I make with the peanut butter in them. Yes, she makes these like, they're little cookies. So it's maybe a tablespoon of a sized cookie when it's done. And it's just chocolate chip cookie mix, but she mixes in peanut butter with it. And they come out delicious. Yes. And luckily she makes like three dozen, so I get to eat all of them. Yum. Oh, and she does point out that those Anise cookies I tried explaining are particularly good. So now you have two data points. Anise cookies, freaking rule. You got to try them sometime, all right? So everybody should write in if they've ever had a Anise cookie. I want to know if you've tried that. So let's see. Today, um, we are going to be reading chapter 20, and it is six pages long. And I'm a little embarrassed to say that it's actually the last chapter. <laughs> so... <laughs> I thought I was swore there were 22 chapters in this book. I don't know where I got that number from, though, at this point. There's probably 22 chapters in the ebook, right? But uh, not in this published copy, the print copy. I mean, if you have the ebook, though, you're already on chapter 21 right now. So, yeah, that was a little confusing for some reason. And I was suspicious because last week we finished on like page 161, right? And. The book ends on page 170, so I was a little confused as to how we were going. Oh, and of course, there was a blank page after page 161, right? Because of the chapter ending. So I was a little confused how we were going to actually squeeze, what, two more chapters and an epilogue into nine or eight pages. That seemed ridiculous. Well, guess what? We're not going to be doing that. <laughs> so chapter 20 is actually the last chapter, which is very annoying because I think I've been saying there were 22 this whole time. God damn it. <laughs> I, uh, I don't know what else they could have done in the book, though, so I guess that's fair enough. So, if you're listening, get ready for the exciting conclusion. Ooh. I think uh, you guys will not really enjoy it that much, but yeah, whatever. We're going to see how it goes. And, of course, this isn't our last episode. I still have to read the epilogue, which will be a, I guess, Christmas... Ooh, a Christmas Eve treat or a Christmas Day treat? Ooh, who can tell? 16, 17, 18. Uh, I think it'll be a Christmas Day treat. I'm going to release it on Christmas Day, which means I got to pre-record it because I'm not going to be at home on that Sunday to record my damn episode. It's a little annoying. I thought I'd span two years with this, but with only 20 chapters. Damn it. Damn it. Maybe we could have like a wrap-up summary episode after the epilogue. I don't know. We'll have to see. And I have no plans yet to move forward with this, but I suppose... I could go ahead and read some of the f the future books, but they're not published, so maybe I should do another two-week edit session and pump those out. Uh, you know, if you want to keep hearing the podcast, write in, let me know, and we have, right now, we have two books ready to go. They just have to be edited, and you see how good I am at that, and then we can publish them up and start reading those two. But anyway, 
I, I'm just a little embarrassed. I can't believe this is going to be the last chapter. But, you know, there's worse things in the world, I guess. And guess what? This chapter is going to be freaking exciting because it's going to be the conclusion of our book. All these loose ends are going to get tied up. It's going to be great. So without further ado, let's dive in to chapter 20. So for today's reading, I am going to be sipping a delicious glass of Evan Williams 1783 Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. I've had this on the show a couple times now. Uh, you know, last night my wife was telling me that I drink way too much of that wild turkey live on this show. And she was criticizing me because if you did the math, I had three glasses of wild turkey 101 last week <laughs> when I was doing the show. But we're a little tamer. I actually had some coffee uh, while I was getting the bed made today. So today I'm starting on my first glass of bourbon as we start into this chapter. And I gotta say, this Evan Williams is delish. So my favorite liquor store always seems to have it. If I go to some of the alternative ones, they don't seem to carry it for some reason. And it's a shame, because it's like a $17 bottle of booze, but it tastes really good on ice, you know? It, it reminds me of like Jim Beam. I could drink that all day on ice. It's not the best bourbon, but it's very good, and it's very cheap compared to some of the other offerings. You know what I mean? So, now that I have a little sip in me, let's get a few more here. Mm -mm. Ooh, let's see how this book ends with chapter 20. Aaron noticed a commotion beginning just as they were preparing to enter the dungeons again. A number of soldiers had drawn weapons, pointing them towards the palace walls. She was being ushered back by nearby soldiers. Finally, an officer pushed his way through the concerned men. Speaking to Stephen, he said, Sir, we've captured two mages, a man and a woman. They were trying to infiltrate our ranks. They were trying to get to you. Does the woman have black hair? Aaron asked. The surprised soldier replied, Yes, she does. Margo! Aaron cried. She shoved her way past men trying to stop her, desperate to see her two friends. Margot, Henry, she called as she squeezed through the masses. She repeated her cry. Erin, a woman's voice yelled loudly. Erin finally reached the circle surrounding the mages and forced her way into its center. All right, so they were about to enter the dungeons, but it sounds like... They weren't even in the building, let alone entering dungeons. That seems ridiculous. Hmm. Oh, let's see here. She ran towards Margot and threw her arms around her neck. Margot, though surprised, returned her embrace. Erin had to quickly had to release quickly, for her other friend waited beside her. She did the same with Henry. Many of the soldiers lowered their swords in confusion. Are you two all right? she asked excitedly. We're fine, Henry said. What's going on? We have some help, Stephen said, walking towards them. The soldiers parted easily as he approached. Stephen failed to mention that his father was the king, Aaron explained. That's how the old soldier recognized him. Even Marissa recognized him. Is Marissa the woman that they were staying with, that they were going to be home for dinner? Is that Marissa? I guess. I don't remember. Mm, right in if you think it's Marissa. <laughs> I suppose I could go check, but we're not going to do that. 
Henry remained standing with a confused look on his face. Margot looked at him, shaking her head. Looking back at Stephen, Margot asked, Why didn't you tell us? In this world, that isn't exactly something you can brag about while remaining alive, he said. Erin mostly figured it out herself. I think it all seems to be working out all right. The prince? Really? Henry managed. Erin decided to steer the conversation back to the situation at hand. We're about to return the balancing stone back to the island, Erin explained. You two need to come, just in case. We're almost done. Thank God we're almost done with this book, too, am I right? Drinking break! Mm-mm. This is very bittersweet that we're at the end of this damn story. It's better in a lot of ways than I thought, you know? But don't get excited for the end here. All right. Henry and Margot walked just behind the leading soldiers. Margot was a little frustrated with his insistence on being at the front of the pack, but she could understand his point. Henry had explained that they would need a mage near the front since they were most likely to encounter mages anyway. On the other hand, having someone lead them through the dungeons was a nice change compared to their aimless wanderings from earlier that day. A ramp from the service entrance had led directly into the basement dungeons, but a maze began again once underground. However, the leading group of soldiers knew the route. Or route. Route? Route? Eventually, Margot recognized the entrance to the tunnel from that morning. They found the door to the tunnel closed. Henry commanded the men to stand back and swung the door open. <laughs> Below, Margot Margo could hear the nervous shuffling of a small group. To Margot's dismay, Henry once again unilaterally proceeded through the doorway and down the stairs. Margot and the soldiers followed closely behind to find a small outpost of five mages trying to block the way. Henry immediately lashed out at the men and women, sending an arc of energy toward them, knocking down three of them. The remaining two, who had successfully defended themselves, turned and ran down the dirt floor tunnel. As more soldiers poured through the door behind him, Henry took off in pursuit. Henry, wait! Margot yelled as he sprinted after the mages. She sprinted after the pursuer, leaving the soldiers far behind, confused. Damn it, stop, she yelled as she caught him rounding the corner into the white stone tunnel of the keepers. The keepers were the people who took care of the balancing stone. Well, not well. <laughs> as the pair rounded the corner, she was stunned to find Frederick standing defiantly between them and the island. <laughs> Frederick, woo! <laughs> oh, that made my day. All right. Ah, Henry and Margot, my lucky day, he said in a spiteful voice. I've been waiting for this moment for a long time. Finally a rematch. Henry's face scrunched in confusion. Really? That's a little creepy and sad, Henry said. Frederick, unfazed, continued. Maybe I can't subject you both to the extractor, but there are other horrible fates I can foresee. Such as, Margot asked. She saw the wisdom in stringing him along. Right, because there's soldiers coming. Yes, we get it. For Henry, I'd like to see a slow death. Easy at first, maybe just to extract some information. But gradually it would worsen. 
For you, dear Margot, I think a fast but painful death is in order. Your brother was quite irritated at your escape, Frederick said, walking toward the pair slowly. I know. I spoke to him earlier today, she said. Frederick froze for a moment at this unexpected news, but restarted his slow approach. And what of your two companions? I expect they've been captured by now. Had you just given us the light, none of this... Had you just given us the light, capital L, light, that's that stone, right? None of this mess would have been necessary. Some unforeseen events befell them, Henry said, but I suspect something much worse will happen to you shortly. And what might that be? Frederick asked, grinning. At that moment, the bulk of the soldiers turned the corner and entered the stone tunnel. Though surprised, Frederick commanded, Seize them! When the soldiers failed to respond, he demanded, Arrest them at once! They are wanted by the magistrates! The soldiers began slowly advancing past Henry and Margot, while others made their way down the tunnel back towards the temple. An officer shouted, With the return of the prince, the magistrates have been relieved of their duties. As a representative of the magistrates, you are under arrest. Oh, this is so cheesy. Good lord. (laughs) Uh, Margot smiled wryly at the confused mage. That's impossible, he mumbled. That's impossible, he mumbled, (laughs) staring in horror at the armed men approaching him. Suddenly, he turned to run, but immediately tripped over his own foot, falling face first into the ground. The lead soldiers were on him instantly, binding him and dragging him back to the dungeons, screaming. Couldn't, but he's a mage. Can't he just get out of, I, I don't know. Wouldn't you just get out of those handcuffs? Maybe they're magic handcuffs. Ooh. Sounds like something you'd buy at a sex shop. Magic handcuffs. Oh, oh, onward, Henry said in a playful voice. Onward, Henry said in a playful voice. Was that more playful? I think that works better. Drinking break. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm. That section was super cheesy. Oh, the soldiers just appeared. God damn it. (laughs) This is so... I don't know what to say. All right, let's get back to the story. God damn it. When Stephen and Aaron reached the island via the tunnel, soldiers had already reached the steps and presumably the tower itself. Aaron was impressed that there was no sign of water leaking or dampness considering the tunnel passed under a river. The entire length was constructed of impeccably fitted white stone with no visible defects. That's some useful setting, don't you think? All right. Stephen accompanied... Stephen accompanied... Oh, I can't say this word. Stephen accompanied her up the steps to the surprisingly small tower interior. The steps opened into an anteroom at the white tower's base. No decorations hung in the room whatsoever, and there was no furniture to be found. At the opposite end of the room, a spiral staircase led upwards into the tower along the rounded walls. When the pair walked to the base of the spiral stairs, both were surprised to see that the tower was no more than three stories high. I thought this place would be more impressive, given the trouble we've gone through, Aaron said. Well, that's because none of this matters, as we determined last chapter. (laughs) 
Aaron, leading the pair, climbed the spiral staircase. Eventually, the staircase led upward through the ceiling, and she found herself looking out over the river and the city itself. Herself itself, same sentence. That's kind of lame. All right. Within the open-air room stood Margot and Henry, chatting as they looked back across the city. As they heard their longtime companions step onto the floor, they turned to greet them. Finally, Henry said jokingly. I cannot wait to get rid of this thing, Aaron said, removing the pendant from her neck for the first time in three years. Oh, come on, Aaron. You know you're all emo. You love that magic crystal you have. <laughs> she examined the, crisp, the clear crystal with curiosity. It had become part of her over the years, she realized. It was no longer just representative of her aunt, but after this adventure, it felt more like an extension of herself. Aw. With care, she grasped the crystal in one hand with in the metal clasp securing the... Uh, what? With care, she grasped the crystal in one hand and the metal clasp securing it to the chain in the other and pulled. With surprising ease, the two separated, leaving her holding the brilliant crystal alone. In the center of the room stood a basic column rising only to Aaron's waist. She walked over and examined the top. A small metal dish sat in the center. This is so lame. <laughs> what, what exactly do I do here? She asked everyone around her. They all shrugged, looking at each other. Aaron grabbed the dark stone from her pocket. Identical to the light stone in every way, except color, she held it in front of her. She raised the light in the other hand and held them before her face. Although weak, she could, she could feel almost an attraction between the two, similar to a pair of magnets in her world. How, the, how do magnets work? <laughs> how does that line go? How the fuck do magnets work? Ooh, that's an F-bomb. Sorry, people. Um, each, exerted an each exerted an attraction on their nearly flat ends, and Aaron rotated them accordingly in her fingers. With a loud crack and a burst of light, the stones snapped together end to end. Aaron dropped the stones in the small metal bowl in the center of the low column. She felt an energy in the air, almost a tingling feeling all over herself. Woo! Looking at her companions, she saw they had noticed as well. She went to touch the stone in the bowl, but found that she couldn't. Semicolon. An invisible force seemed to be blocking her hand. She, she shrugged, feeling completely satisfied with leaving the troublesome stones behind. Just in a freaking bowl that is so... Goddamn lame. <laughs> I didn't like this found, but she couldn't. Semicolon. It looks really weird. So, oh my god. Actually, this is like a run-on sentence, right? Because there's a but in it, so it's compound. But the couldn't, it's like apostrophe T and then a semicolon immediately. It's too much uh, punctuation right next. I think it would have been better if I had written she could not. And then I would have got an extra word in my word count. At this point, though, in the book, I should be... By the last chapter, I was probably well beyond 50,000, so... All right. Well, anyway, it is a drinking break. Mm -mm. Later that evening, Henry and Margot walked out of the front gates of the palace. An impromptu celebration continued behind them within the palace grounds. Henry, however, was exhausted from their ordeal and wanted nothing more than to sleep. Though she wouldn't admit it, he could see the same exhaustion in Margot's brown eyes. 
As they passed through the wall of the inner ring, Margot pulled on Henry's arm to stop him. Look, over there, she said, pointing into the gardens in front of the wall. Henry saw an unkempt patch of wildflowers and weeds growing, looking out of place next to the relatively well-maintained shrubbery and trees. That looks like a mess, so what, he said. Smiling, Margot hit him on the shoulder. That was blight before. Remember, blight was all the mud everywhere? <sighs> okay, so now it's flowers and weeds. I wish I didn't say weeds. Just leave it as wildflowers, right? Ugh. Let me see. That was blight before. <laughs> before what, Henry asked, not understanding what Margot was trying to say. Oh, come on, Henry, you dumbass. <sighs> before today. This morning, it was a pit of black mud. Now, it has life in it, she explained. Henry nodded. All right, so this means the balancing stone reversed the blight. Blight? Question mark. I, I don't... All right, so this means the balancing stone reversed the blight? That sounds better. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, Margot exclaimed. Frowning, Henry said, But there are certainly a lot of weeds. Okay, fair enough. I guess <laughs> Henry has the same problem with it as I do. But there's cert there are certainly a lot of weeds. That looks like crabgrass over there. He pointed at some of the more unruly plant life. That's part of the balance, Margot said. It can't all just be beautiful flowers and delicious fruits. There is other life that might not be so desirable. The weeds, the thorns, the bitter berries. There's two sides to life. Aw, this is so deep. Henry paused, considering what she said. It all felt a bit too abstract to him, but he understood her point. Whether he believed it was a, believed it was a different matter. Regardless... He figured that some weeds and some flowers were better than the putrid mud it replaced. Smiling, he said, Let's head back to Wilson's and Marissa's. If they'll have us, I think I need a rest. Taking his hand and squeezing it, Margot responded, That sounds wonderful. Aww. <laughs> well, that is the end of chapter 20. Wow. Wow, am I right? That was a very moderately interesting conclusion to this novel. <laughs> so, I think the real highlight... Well, okay, let's go through this, you know, one step at a time, right? So they did return the stupid balancing stone, right? They walked to the tower. They put it in the... They put it in a goddamn dish? Really a dish? Like, wouldn't you expect it to be some sort of fitted setting where it would be held? No, it just sits in a bowl. Just be, attach him and you just drop him in a bowl. That'll be fine, right? Ah, that's so goddamn lame. Right? And then, so they, they put the balancing stone back together and there's like a little flash of light and then everybody gets all tingly and that's it. You know, that, like... There's not like an explosion of energy emanating from the tower or something like that. Or No, it's very anticlimactic. She sticks them together and puts them in a bowl and then they all leave. <laughs> I can't even believe how dumb that was. <laughs> so I think we can all agree the exciting part of this chapter was Frederick being there. <laughs> I was so excited he was into this. I'm a little sad he kind of got arrested. You know, that would have been for a sequel. That would have been good if he got away and he could have been 
you know, an evil person they have to fight later. But, uh, no, no. Obviously, the author decided that wasn't the route to go, so Frederick got arrested and thrown in a dungeon, probably, where he's just going to rot for the rest of his life. That was kind of a bummer with the Frederick fight, but... And it was so cheesy. Oh, you know, they meet him coming around the corner, and just as Henry says something about, oh, we're gonna... You know, I think the situation has changed. All these soldiers appear behind him. Ugh. It was super freaking cheesy. I couldn't even believe it. (laughs) Who would write such a book? Oh, my God. But I think... Do you guys get what I'm saying when this climax is just so muted and dull? They just put the stone back and then they leave. It's kind of, uh, all right, that's it, huh? I guess when you're writing a book in a month, maybe you're, I don't know, you want to save the exciting climax for the end. I think, so there's like no, they call it, I believe, denouement, right? Denouement or whatever. I think that's the coming down off the climax. It's pretty short usually in books. In this book, for example, it's like a page and a half. (laughs) But this book fizzles real quick at the end. But uh, what do I want to say about this? I don't know. I think when you're writing your own book in a month, you want to get to the exciting conclusion right when you're done with the book. Who wants to sit around for two more days and just kind of wrap up some loose ends? That's a little bit dull. Uh, So I can see maybe what I was practically thinking at the time it's not a good way to write a book though it's not that's not good it's not good (laughs) and then henry and Margot leave the palace it's very oh they have a little moment together and then they're going back to their borders for the night you know the place where they were allowed to sleep it was i don't know i just feel like at the end of this it's just kind of like dies in the end. And I think that actually is a sign that I didn't really know what the plot of this book was going to be fully when I decided to write it. I had a general idea, but I, you know, some of the details, like how it would conclude, I really hadn't thought out very well. (laughs) So what are you going to do? At least Frederick made one last appearance. I think originally what I estimated like two appearances in the book and it Turned out to be like 10 or 15. So he was in a whole bunch of chapters. <laughs> and I didn't even remember that. And I wrote this book. That's so funny. That's so funny to me. But let's move on to some discussion questions. All right. So I've bitched about it enough. The ending of this book, right? They put the stone in a dish and that, ta-da, that's the end of it, right? So my first discussion question is, can you come up with a more exciting ending? Like, I'm thinking, you know, big budget movie special effect ending. What what, what should happen when they, you know, they're marching towards the tower. They have the two halves of the balancing stone. Shouldn't something more exciting occur at the end? I was probably done with this goddamn book by that point. So I wasn't even interested in what the hell was supposed to happen. (laughs) So if you can come up with a more exciting ending, like what should occur when they drop the stone? Should it, like like be mounted into like some sort of weird godlike statue and then you know it would glow so bright nobody could see and the tower and ground would start shaking and the river would rise up and you know explosions would happen that's what i would assume would happen when this epic journey was over but then again nobody was even guarding one half of the stone so maybe it just doesn't matter that much right it was just a vehicle to get the king back on his throne, or prince, whatever, who cares. 
So what's a more exciting ending for you? You know what? This book, in theory, could end like uh, Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope, right? Where, you know, Prince Stephen is now the king and he's... There's a big ceremony. He's putting medals on Henry and Margot, right? Yeah. Yeah, it could be lame like that, too. <laughs> and that is a lame ending to a movie. Let's not forget that. That was pretty bad. All right, all right. Let's see. Oh, okay, question two. Margot and Henry are walking back to Marissa in whatever the hell his name is, house. I don't even remember. It started with a W, right? Here, let's take a peek. Let's take a peek. It's right at the end here, so... Not so hard to do. Wilson. All right, so they're going to Wilson and Marissa's house, right? Um, what was I going to ask? Oh, so they pass by a place that used to be covered in the mud, the blight. And it's, you know, Henry's commenting it's all full of wildflowers and weeds. So my question is, what is your favorite weed? Okay, this is... This is a little different. I don't want to hear some wildflower nonsense. What's your favorite weed that you get? So I know in my yard we get, obviously, dandelions, which are delightful when you... I know people don't like them in their lawn, but think about it. It's a bright yellow flower that turns into this goofy ball of, like, blowy things. Who wouldn't like a dandelion when you think about it? They're hilarious. But I have this weed that grows in my yard. Maybe it's a wildflower. I don't know. But it's these little white flowers. They're itty-bitty. They're on these, like, weird spindly stalks. And they have these bright yellow centers. They're adorable and gorgeous. And whenever I find them in my yard, I'm like, you get to stay here. Yeah, that's for you. You get to live here. So what's your favorite weed? You know, I mean, you could say uh, clover, I think, counts. That's always fun to find in a lawn. Um, uh, buttercups, right? You could find buttercups. We used to do that. Used to, what, if you put it under your chin, you were in love or some nonsense? Uh, what the hell was that? That's like something I definitely knew for sure when I was nine. <laughs> yeah. So what's your favorite weed? Write in. Tell me. Yes. All right. Question three. So they saw those weeds on their way back to Marissa and Wilson's. My third discussion question is, did Henry and Margot make it back to their house for dinner? Remember, they said they were just going to stop over at the palace today and then get home by dinner. Did they make it for dinner? I'm going to say my guess would be no, because there was like a party going on at the palace. They probably stayed for a couple drinks, right? But I don't know. What do you think? Did they make it home for dinner? They were actually... And that kind of irritated me, too, if Marissa and Wilson would have them. I think that was implied at the beginning of this this stupid day going to the palace. That would have been chapter 19, I think, when that was brought up. But, yeah, did they make it home? I think so. I think they got home for dinner. It was probably a little cold, but I think Marissa and Wilson were for sure up. Henry and Margot strike me as people who are going to, you know, check out it. I don't know, nine at night at the latest. That seems kind of late for them, too. Especially after they've been running around and fighting everybody all day. So I guess that's all in a day's work, though. That's kind of their job is to fight people and be all rambunctious. So what do you think? Did they make it home for dinner? I think they might have. So write in if you need to contact me with your answers to these discussion questions and this exciting concluding chapter. Uh, you can go over to jeffreadshisbook.com and there's... 
Three ways to contact me listed there. You can uh, email me at jba at sdf.org. You can reach me on Mastodon with a toot at jba at mastodon.sdf.org. Or you can tweet at me at Fortran Jeff on Twitter. And I would love to hear from you, especially since this was the last chapter of this book. And I guess if you're on Reddit, I'm at Printstar on Reddit. I mean, that's my username. I guess you could send me a message or look for any posts in the podcast subreddit that I make. And I make very few. So it would basically be a comment and you won't find it at all. So don't even worry about it. (laughs) If you're trying to reach me on Facebook, I'm not going to answer you there. So don't even bother. (laughs) Anyway, um... I don't want anybody to be concerned, though. We're going to be back next week with the epilogue, and that'll be on Christmas Day. I'm going to try to release that, or on Boxing Day, if I forget to do it on Christmas Day. (laughs) But that means this week, at some point, I'm going to have to record another episode reading the epilogue. Luckily, the epilogue is exceptionally short. I should say, if you... We're following along in the ebook, which I'm guessing you weren't because I've never sold one. <laughs> that would be chapter 22, the epilogue. So we just read chapter 21. So yeah, chapter 22 would be the epilogue. So, and I think maybe after the epilogue, we're going to have like a summary episode at least, you know, in the new year to go over every, all the excitement that was in this book. But uh, anyway, that should wrap it up for episode 20 here. Um, Again, please do contact me. It's the conclusion of the book. I mean, you will have the epilogue and maybe a couple more episodes to write in, but please write in. Just let me know if you've enjoyed it or if you can, you know, answer those discussion questions. I think if you can come up with a more exciting ending, that is a huge discussion question. Everybody should be writing in with that. I think it's very exciting. But anyway, until I hear from you, and until next week on Christmas Day, we should have a new episode out. But until then, I think I've said that a few times, but I've also had a few glasses of Evan Williams, as you've heard. Let's have one more sip before I say, keep on reading. Keep on reading.